How does the Beatles' first appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show, as well as the Rolling Stones' first U.S. performance at the Swing Auditorium in Southern California, relate to the Walkman, the iPod, and music as we know it today? Find out about all this and more on Full Circle Analog, the podcast hosted by Brad Blue, the man who, like many, was there through it all. The first and second British invasion, Bruce Springsteen, Elton John, and so, so many more. As well as sometimes me, Alec Blue his son and fellow lover of music, who comes on to provide a more modern perspective as well as learn about the past. Is there anything that compares to the record stores from the 1970s? Every city had them. The warehouse came along and became, really to me, the first corporated record store, but before that, there were many others. Growing up in Southern California, growing up in the city of Whittier, we had our very own levels. There were other famous ones, especially in Hollywood and Los Angeles. Um, Then, of course, when CDs replaced vinyl records in the 1980s. I'll never forget when I went into a warehouse record and tape store, and all I could see was CDs. I obviously hadn't bought any records in quite a while. And uh, I asked the girl behind the counter where the vinyl records were. And she said they didn't carry them anymore, but she'd be glad to order me any album out of the catalog. And I walked out of the store and knew that the time had passed. The torch had been passed. I'm not sure to what, but the era of going to the record store, I thought, was dead. But was it? I have a book in front of me that is known as the the record store book. And it was published, oh, just a few years ago. Uh, 2015, showing some of the iconic record stores that survived and in some cases thrived for the last few decades when vinyl record production disappeared and as we now know is making a very strong comeback, not only vinyl records but audio cassettes as well as uh, new bands that are out there. are getting excited about the old technology and the sound that is unique to audio cassette, reel-to-reel tape, and vinyl records. Um, What was it about that iconic experience of going into a record store? Um, When we grew up, it was in the middle of happening, you know, We'd pass the torch from the first British invasion to the second British invasion. In the United States, bands were popping up in every genre. We had our own heroes. And they were all making new music. And they were all touring. At the record store, often they had photographs that a professional photographer obviously with a press pass or a very powerful telephoto lens camera, took of the lead singer or the guitarist, whether it was Zeppelin or Jethro Tull or 
Yes, or whoever it was. We saw the concert, but we had bought the record first. We saw the group always tour after the record was released. So we were in the record store to buy the record. And then it was always fun to go back and you could always run into somebody and talk about the concert and how great it was. I mean, there were t-shirts, there were posters, there was incense, there was new records to find, records you never heard of, or bands you might have heard of on the radio. Because remember back then when FM radio first started in the early 70s, we didn't have the corporated setup where they played like five songs and then had, or I should say three to five songs, and then five, ten minutes of commercials and then came back, rinse, repeat. I mean, uh, I grew up listening to KNAC in Long Beach, the original KNAC, which was a totally uh, non-commercial radio station. I remember listening to Quadrophenia all the way through without commercial interruption. I remember after Woodstock, them going live remote um, to other festivals, which was really cool. Musicians coming in, talking to the announcers. The announcers were the most iconic announcers. I did another podcast about some of the radio stations, not so much the personalities, but the radio stations that were on the dial in Southern California when I grew up. Um, But, you know, the whole thing evolved you know i'm looking at some of the photographs in this book and you know record stores were not the prettiest they weren't supposed to be they were supposed to be like i think a combination of almost like a warehouse uh art deco uh, art for sale um posters uh, uh Posters that were inside the albums themselves were on the wall. Um, then, of course, there was the records. And uh, put in those iconic cases, sometimes in wood crates. I don't know. Every place was slightly different. Um, but um, during the vinyl heyday, I remember, you know, going into the record store. and could hardly wait to get home. I rode my 10-speed to the record store. And then rode home, got it on the turntable. And at that point, which I've alluded to before, we had um, pretty cool stereos available, sound systems, we used to call them, electronics, you know, amplifiers. Uh, in the 70s, or I don't know exactly when it started, but in the 70s, um, we, we graduated from a fold-down turntable that closed up in a little plastic cabinet, and the speakers hung on the side. You could take them off and put them maybe six feet to each side of the turntable um, to uh, either receivers, which were radios, amplifiers, and preamps together, or you could get them in separate components and get an amplifier and preamp together with the radio dial, otherwise known as a tuner, separate. I... Bought my first system with a Kenwood 50-watt amp and matching tuner and uh, had an Akai uh, cassette deck with a glass head, which was really cool. 
because the theory was it didn't get as hot and would track the tape better. And I still have the Kenwood amp and tuner. I also have a Techniques direct drive turntable that's still working from the 70s. I have my Sennheiser headphones, the yellow ear pieces that uh, were some of the best headphones you could listen to back then. There's much better now, and they're old, you know. They've listened to a lot of music. But I still use them in the studio here today. Stuff that's been around since about 75, you know, a long, long time. I uh, remember vividly those record store experiences sometimes agonizing because you if you were old enough to be working you had a little bit more money but odds are you had maybe allowance money or babysitting money enough to buy maybe one record but somehow we managed to collect large amounts of records and uh, I think today between my wife and I we have a a mere 400 records, which really doesn't seem like a lot. Um, I know there's <laughs> millions of records out there and uh, on all different genres. You know, then we could get bootleg recordings of live concerts that were in the Southern California area usually, but not always. There was some Beatle bootlegs, which years later came out as Beatles Anthology, I remember I have a Jethro Tull um, live concert, them at the Forum. Um, gosh, I can't remember. I had a, a few of them. And that was the first time I ever saw vinyl that was different colors because everything I owned was black <clears throat> up to that point when you could buy with Big Pig Records. They usually had a, some logo like that on them. <laughs> obviously look like they were made uh, off-market, we'll say. Um, and then there were these half-speed master vinyl records that came out that, uh, you know, those were the ones I believe that the albums that you and I bought were burnt from, you know, on the lathe, made from. <clears throat> And uh, you could buy half-speed masters that had better sound. And I bought uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, Sticky Fingers, and Joni Mitchell's Court, Court and Spark, which I uh, bought thinking they had greater fidelity, and they are amazing. So, yeah, we had records, eight-track tapes, cassette tapes, we had bootleg vinyl records, and we had half-speed masters during the day. So, um, coincidentally, this podcast has to do with uh, a post we put on our Facebook, which is Old Days, New Ways Facebook, and uh, we asked people, our fans and anyone who reads our post to uh, post their favorite local record store back in the day, city and state. 
And uh, we've got quite a few responses <clears throat> since yesterday afternoon. A lot of them from Southern California. A lot of my uh, our fans are from here, but they're from all around the country. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, with some websites even. Pretty cool. Um, as I mentioned, uh, one of the go-to record stores in Whittier was Lovell's. And my lovely wife has responded, Lovell's in Whittier. Um, some people just uh, posted about a favorite record. There was, uh, I think it was Sammy Hagar's first band, Montrose. T someone talking about that. Uh, Headstone Friends in Terre Haute, Indiana. We've got um, Peach's Record Store. Don't know where. Um, Sam the Record Man. I love that name. Strawberries Records. We have Poobahs in Pasadena, California. Tower, of course, on the Sunset Strip. This uh, fan even posted that he saw Ringo Starr there personally. How cool is that? Aaron's Records on Melrose. Peaches on Hollywood Boulevard. Wow. Zed's Records in Long Beach. Man, you got around, my friend. Uh, Amoeba. I remember Amoeba Records as well. Um, Vinyl Fetish on La Brea off Melrose. Wow. <laughs> Melody Lane in Lakewood, Ohio. We have Columbia House and RCA, which I remember though. Columbia House is a record club where you had to buy so many records a month after you got a whole bunch free. Um, Sel Seligman or Seligman Brothers in Toledo. That's got to be Ohio. Um, Downtown Records, New York City. Um, Tape City, Nazareth, Bob Seger, and Silver Bullet Band, Eagles. Those are bands that they obviously loved and bought from Tape City. Uh, Sound Warehouse, Dallas. The Record Bar, Craig's Record Factory. JD's Music Emporium, Centralia, Illinois. Cool. Jolly Records, Southwest Philadelphia. Music Manor, Dover, New Hampshire. Another shout out for Whittier, The Record Hut. Tower Records in Hollywood. My friend Steve, Groove Time and Lose Records in Encinitas. There we go. That's Southern California. Uh, Licorice Pizza in Riverside, California. Full Circle Records, Blackwood, New Jersey. whole bunch of New Jersey posts here. That's cool. Um, Record City, Eclipse Records, and Record King in Hackensack. Chantinique in Detroit. Record Bar in the Mall, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Pegasus Records, Tennessee, St. Florence, Alabama. Music Plus, which we talked about earlier, is one of the other chains that were across the United States besides warehouse music, records, and tapes. But this fan, it's his favorite record store of all time. Very cool. Um, Marlboro Music so Store. Main Street, Marlboro, Massachusetts. Long gone. Uh, we're sad to report. 
Um, I'm sure a lot of these are. Most of these are. Bill's Records and Tapes as a teen. Tower Records, downtown Nashville. We have Camelot Music in Cincinnati, Ohio. Karma, man. Karma Records in Evansville, Indiana. Bain Music on Exchange Street. Warehouse for Music Plus in Southern California. We've talked about Tower Records again. Another Tower Records, both California. Uh, another Tower Records, Streetlight Records, and Rasputin Records in San Jose in Campbell, California. I'm not familiar where Campbell, California is. I've lived in California my whole life, but it's a pretty big state. Family Affair, Monrovia in California. Dingleberries, Ohio. Camelot again. The Record Bar. Record Alley, Knoxville, Tennessee. Cats. Um, Yellow Rose Records, San Angelo, Texas. We've got, it goes on and on and on. Sam Goody, The Music Den in Des Moines. Another for Peaches. My cousin Linda, shout out to her, mentions Tower Records in L.A. as one of her favorites. Cool. Music Land. So there you go. We have just a few of our uh, fans that have posted about their favorite record store back in the day. Feel free to look on our Facebook page and check that out. Um, post at any time because we do a lot of posts about art, music, and culture from the 70s uh, with a heavy slant on the music scene back then from the Beatles on. And also we post a lot of cool components that a lot of us owned from Morantz to Pioneer to Kenwood to Akai to Sam, Sanyo, Samsung, whatever. We, we don't want to leave anybody out, but there were lots of cool sound systems um, back in the day. So anyway, today's we've been talking about record stores that uh, we frequented back in the day. We've had a lot of anniversaries starting to pop up last few years i know uh, after 2016 when we had a harrowing year where we lost so many of our rock and roll heroes starting with david bowie well actually chris squire died in 2015 and then bowie died i think in january of 2016 and then we lost a dozen or more over that year keith emerson and greg lake and the list just goes on and on and on uh, it was a rough year for me to see my rock heroes dying across the board. I had to have emergency surgery that year. A um, lot of tough things going on that year. So anyway, that will be it for right now. I hope you enjoyed this. We just kind of had a mellow conversation about record stores, kind of what was going on back then. We'll probably continue this conversation many times as far as what other things that were cool to buy in record stores. I've got a story about a record store that was independent. It was closer to me than the Lovell store I was talking about, called the Grass Hoppa. 
you know, David Carradine was known as Grasshopper in Kung Fu. Uh, this was not Grasshopper, it was the Grasshopper, ended with a PPA. And it was a real hippie store. It was, I think, the first time I ever smelled marijuana looking at a topless picture of Janis Joplin on the wall. <laughs> Whoa. I think I was in junior high, so that was quite a startling uh, thing to see and smell and sense. They had beads hanging in the doorway, incense burning, uh, a couple of heads running that place. But, uh, they were on Whittier Boulevard, and I, that was the store that I rode my 10-speed to to buy a lot of records. Anyway, over and out. All right, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We started Old Days New Ways to help people take their old audio and video tech and convert it to the digital age. If you're interested in getting that done or you want to keep up to date with all the awesome offers we have because we know that technology can be a daunting experience, you can go ahead and check us out at www.odnws.com. That's our website, and our two main tabs are Book Now and Learn How. Learn How is our up-to-date offers on how you can learn modern technology, and Book Now is where you can schedule appointments with us to help get your technology transferred to the modern age. So thanks for listening. Tune in next time.